Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills. I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I'm so excited that you're joining us again this week. Uh, If you are just joining us, we are in a message series called The Good Work, and it's based on uh, an incredible story from the Old Testament about a very ordinary guy named Nehemiah. And what I want to do uh, for this week is I want to set up this message by giving you some thoughts, okay? Perhaps they're about you, and and then we're going to dive in, and I believe that God's going to speak to us. So here's what I'm guessing that I know about many of you that are listening. Uh, I'm guessing that there's probably something that bothers you, and when you see it in the world, some injustice, something that weighs on you, perhaps on the behalf of others. It might be a need that you see that you think somebody should be meeting. It might be a group of people that are hurting maybe those who have been abused, maybe someone that's been neglected, and you know that we should be involved to meet those needs. Okay, That's probably, for, for many of you, what we would call a divine burden, something that disturbs you, something that upsets you on behalf of God, something that moves you in a significant way. And here's what I found. We're going to jump right into this today. Uh, so if you're taking notes uh, about your burdens, and that is this. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you embrace. Okay, let me say that again. The burden that you bear often reveals the calling that you'll embrace. In other words, the thing that tends to upset you will often drive you or compel you into a ministry to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. And what I also know about you is this, that you rarely ever know when you're on the front end of something really special. You rarely know when you're on the front end of really making a significant difference. And this is exactly where some of you are right now at this moment. That is probably the reason and purpose of why you are listening today. You're bothered by something. You see a need. You're leaning into it. You're considering doing something about it. Or maybe you're just in the early stages of starting and you have no idea that you could be on the front end of something very, very special that would impact the lives of people. The title of our, our message series is, we, is, is called The Good Work. The Good Work, as I mentioned. The title of this message is Do the Work, Make a Difference. Okay, Do the Work, Make a Difference. Let me give you the context in, in case you weren't with us last week, you weren't able to listen in, or otherwise you can just kind of go back and listen. But here it is. We, we go back in time to the year 587 BC. We have King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very evil king, and he led the Babylonian people and attacked Jerusalem. And these people completely destroyed the city, the lifestyle, the culture, the values, uh, the temple was destroyed, and the Babylonians took the Jewish people into captivity. They crushed their spirits and demoralized them beyond any hope. And if you fast forward decades later, some of the Jewish people were finally released out of captivity, and they go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the homeland. So if you can imagine, they're going to be going back into a uh, demolished city. There's no economic structure, there's no jobs, there's no systems, no government, no leadership, no direction of any kind, and most of all, there's really no hope. 
So these early travelers went and tried to rebuild. They hit a dead end and they couldn't get anything going at all. 140 years after the destruction, an ordinary guy, everyday guy named Nehemiah was suddenly brokenhearted for the plight of his people in his city. And I want to tell you again that he was not a pastor. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was not a contractor. This guy was just going. He was just an ordinary servant, a cupbearer to the king. In other words, this guy didn't have any formal or appointed position. All he had was a God-ordained passion. Now, I don't know who this is going to speak to today, but there are some of you that are listening right now that you don't have a position, you haven't been commissioned, but what you do have is you do have the passion from God about something that matters, and that qualifies you to make a difference. Okay, so if you were listening with us last week, we saw that Nehemiah, his heart broke, right? And the first thing he did was he sat down to cry. He wept and mourned and fasted for quite some time. Then he knelt down to pray. Twelve different times in the book of Nehemiah, we see him petitioning to God of heaven. And then finally he stood up to act and said, somebody's got to do something about this, and it might as well be me. So how do you do the work? How do you make a difference? I want to give you four thoughts today. We're going to get very, very practical, and and we're going to let the Spirit of God empower us to do the work and make a difference. Okay. The first thing you're going to want to do is this. Number one is we're going to seek God faithfully. We're going to seek God faithfully. Again and again and again and again, we'll see Nehemiah going before God, praying and praying and praying and praying. In fact, let me kind of give you the timeline so you'll understand all this. If you read in your text, you're going to see that Nehemiah heard the news about his people in the month of Kislev. When in the world is Kislev? Well, that's sometime between November, December, our time. He starts praying and he prays until the month of Nisan. Yes, I said Nisan. Now, here's the deal. If you don't think I've got some five uh, great dad jokes about the word Nissan, you haven't been listening here very long. But I'm just going to diverse from that. We'll save them for later, okay? He prays to the month of Nissan. This is four months after Kislev. Four months. What I want you to notice is for four months he's fasting, he's hurting, he's praying, he's seeking the God of heaven. Why is he doing this? Well, he's asking God to lead his steps, and it's impossible to describe how tricky it would be for a cupbearer to approach the king with a request, because the cupbearer's only job is to take burdens off of the king, never to deliver the king any kind of difficult news. In fact, for, for Mid-Eastern kings, uh, you, would n- you, would not, you would just take the bad news and just kind of hold on to it. You never deliver it to him. You didn't want to be the person to ever deliver anything but, but good news, okay? And so he's in this very difficult place. He's in chapter 2, and here's what happens. Chapter 2, verse 2, here's what he says. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. You can see in this, he's, he's got intimacy, and there's this relationship going on with this king. They're, they're so close. The king knows what's going on. He's disturbed in spirit. So let's jump to verse 4. He says, the king goes, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, what I hope you'll notice is this wasn't a four-day prayer retreat. Okay, He had already had that. This was a man who was walking intimately with God, and now he can just talk to God. And I hope that you'll pray both those ways, that you'll pray long and powerful prayers with God so that in the moment 
you're already close to God and you can send text-like prayers to God, okay? We've already, we've already been talking. We're not catching up on our devotion time. We're walking intimately together, okay? You're basically saying, hey, God, help, or, or God, give me the words, or God, give me wisdom. God, direct my steps. God, show me what to do. God, show me what to say, okay? And, and, there's, and they're in this presence of the king, okay? And the king says, what do you want? And then he goes on, look at verse 5. Verse 5, he says, and I answered the king. Now let's pause there. I hope you remember about prayer, that there's nothing too big for God in prayer, and there's nothing too big for God's power, and there's nothing too small for God's heart. He cares about all of it. If it's a burden to you, you take it to God. You, you seek God faithfully. God, I need you. God, direct me. God, guide me. Okay? And for four months, Nehemiah faithfully sought after God. Now, I want to tell somebody that's listening, okay, you have a heart for something. You have a vision for something. And if prayer isn't necessary for you to accomplish your vision, then you aren't thinking big enough. You want something so big, so full of faith that you need the power of God to come through for you. So what do you do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? Well, the first thing is you, what you do is you seek God faithfully, right? The second thing you do is, and if you're taking notes, is you define the vision clearly, okay? Define the vision clearly. And I hope you understand that for most people, it's not a lack of caring that's your problem, okay? It's a lack of clarity. It's not defining specifically what it is that you're called to do, okay? It, it's, I want you to show you this. I want you uh, to, to watch the crystal clear clarity of an ordinary man with a vision from God. Watch what he says, okay? The king asks Nehemiah, he asks Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I see you're upset. What do you want me to do? And Nehemiah replies, look at the second part of verse five. He says, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Okay, it's one sentence, absolute clarity, what did he say? He said, please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. Clarity. See, seek God faithfully to find the vision clearly. Now, let me tell you what Nehemiah did not do. And, and I don't mean to be rude or make fun of anybody here, okay? But this is what a lot of people do, okay? He didn't say, well, king, there's something I've been thinking about for quite some time, okay? Well, you see, my Aunt Martha, she's from Jerusalem, you know, and, and she's got three kids, and one of them is Mickey. And Mickey sent me this article about the people, and I read about it, and it was kind of confusing. So confusing that there was some, because there were some big words that, but, but I looked them up on Wikipedia, and I found out what they really, mean, what they really mean is. And so now I know what it is. And so I'm thinking, King, that I might do this mission trip to go there, okay? And I kind of see how things are going to be, and I want to see how things are going to go. And, and to be honest, King, I, I'm kind of getting tired of pouring your wine all the time and, and drinking it because it could, it could kill me and stuff. And, and you didn't even send me a Christmas card lately, and you didn't even like me to the, you know, link me to the picture you posted where I was in the background, you know, and so I'm not even sure we're that close anymore. And besides, I've kind of been wanting to travel lately because, you know, I want to see the world. 
You know, there's this kind of something I'm passionate about going on here. And so I'm thinking about sending letters to some people and I'm asking them to give some money so I can maybe go on this mission trip. I might kind of just see if I can go. I'm not really sure yet, but Mickey and Martha says, since I know you and everything, you know, they're, they're great for giving me information and, and you're the king and all. I thought I'd bring this idea before you and see what you think. So what do you think, King? Clarity people. Okay. For most of you, it's not caring that your problem, it's the lack of clarity. What do you want to do? What is it God is calling you to do? Some of you are going to say, well, you know what? I want to help children. Okay, help children. But how? Which children? Those that, that don't have their basic needs met, those that can't read, those that have been abused, those who don't have homes. And where? In your city, in your state, in your nation, in some other country in this world? Does it, does it need medical help? What is it very specifically that God is calling you to do? The bottom line is, if you can't define it, you can't do it. And let me say that again. If you cannot define it, you cannot do it. If God is calling you to do it, Define it clearly. What do you want me to do? And he says, please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. In a sentence, what is it that God is leading you to do? In a sentence, incredibly clear. You might say, God is leading me to lead our family to be completely debt-free, except for a mortgage by the year 2022. And, you know, that's clear. That's definable. Therefore, perhaps possibly doable. Okay. Okay, God is leading me to have a personal conversation about Jesus with every student in my class before I graduate in 2021. Or, God is calling me to donate a combined $100,000 to my church by the time of age of 40 years old. By the way, if you haven't hit 40 yet, uh, we'd love to have 100000 donated to the church. No, I'm just messing with you. But anyway, God is calling me to help every teenage boy, in, in, in maybe in our youth group, to overcome their addiction to pornography, to confess it, to repent it, and to be free of it. Okay, In a sentence, one sentence, clarity. What is it God is calling you to do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? Well, you seek God faithfully, right? You define the vision clearly. And number three, you make plans carefully. Okay? You make plans carefully. The problem is a goal without a plan is just a wish. Some of you are just wishing. Make a plan Honor God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get organized. God's a systematic God. We live in a solar system, right? Seven days a week, every week, right? There's not eight some weeks and six some weeks. There's not 372 days a year. God is a systematic God. He is a God of order. You make plans carefully. Watch, watch about how specifically clear Nehemiah is about his plans. Look at verse 6. Okay. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Notice he didn't say, I don't have a clue, king. You know, I'm, I'm just not quite sure. I haven't really given much thought about this. And, and you know, maybe I can go to Mickey, and, you know, maybe she'll give me some information. No, what he says is, it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Whatever it was, we don't know what it was, but he was specific with the king and set a time. Now watch. Look at verse 7. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, 
keeper and of the royal park, so he will give me uh, timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. Okay, let's pause there. What does he do? He asks for protection, and he asks for provision. He is very, very clear. I need protection to travel, and I need provision to build. And then look what he says. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. What did he do? He sought God. He was led by the Spirit of God. God was directing his words and directing his step. He was incredibly clear on what he was going to do. He created a plan, and he said, this is how I'm going to accomplish it. You may say this, okay? I want to create a plan, but I don't really know how to, to have a perfect plan. Here's what I always tell people that tell people that the plan doesn't have to be perfect, okay? That I would rather execute a good plan today with passion than a perfect plan months from now without passion, okay? You just kind of have to get the ball moving. Do you want to know what my plan is all the time? My plan, and my, my wife can attest to this too, my plan is to do the next right thing. That's my plan, Okay. If I look at it, how do we rebuild these walls, right, in this church? If we're doing new things in the church, how do we rebuild these walls? And how do we, as a church, get the Bible out there more, okay? And, and for instance, like this podcast, podcast, how do we grow the podcast to, to whatever? And how do we add this many more ministries within the church, you know? Those things, that overwhelms me. To me, it's simply do the next right thing, step by step, faithfulness by faithfulness. In fact, to me, success is not in achieving some, some accomplishment out there in the future. Success is being faithful to do the right thing today. To be clear, what's your plan? I think this, and you do the next right thing, and you execute, okay? So, so what's the next right thing for you? You want to start a ministry? We'll do the next right thing. Have a meeting with someone else who is doing what you want to be doing. Take a tour, Okay? Come with questions. Don't you dare do all the talking. Ask questions. Okay? And then shut your face and listen to what someone else says. Okay? You got an idea and you want to learn about it. Go take an online class. Find a mentor. Write a business plan. Listen to a podcast. Watch a YouTube video. Okay? Uh, maybe you want to get a date. First thing is take a bath. Right? And then buy a shirt with the, some color in it. All right? And then sell your PS4 or your Xbox. And then go to Target, okay? Go to Target, go to Target. Here's why I say go to Target, okay? Target is where the girls go to find things they don't need. So there's tons of girls there. Probably went too far there, but that's the reality. There's tons of girls. At least that's what I've been told, okay? Go to Target. Now, what do you do? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. You make plans carefully, okay? And number four, you inspire people passionately. You inspire people passionately. I want to warn you, though, with what's coming in the next week. I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about next week because next week is challenging, okay? And what we're going to see is a lot of opposition, hardcore critics and haters. We're going to see some really discouraged people that feel like God may not be with us. We're, we're, they're saying we're failing, we're not getting it done, we can never, ever accomplish this, and they're distracted, they're exhausted, they feel like failures. And, and we're going to watch as Nehemiah again and again, he steps up and he reaches deep within his soul. And at times, I'm even thinking he probably doesn't even know if he believes that this all could be possible himself. How do I know this? Because I've done this, 
and you stand up, right? And with, with whatever faith you have to try to inspire people passionately, all things are possible with God, right? Watch what Nehemiah does. We're going to jump all the way to verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. God is with us, okay? God is working. God is for us, okay? Inspire the people around you to believe that God is, is, is for what we're doing, okay? That God is with us. He'll never leave us, right? He'll never forsake us. He's empowering us. He's going before us. He's opening doors that we don't have the power to open. He's giving us favor with the hearts of people. Our God is with us. Inspire people passionately, okay? I like what John Wesley said, and some people would call him the founder of the United Method Church. He said this, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Now, I know that sounds kind of morbid, but listen to it again. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. See, you inspire people. One of my things to do is to help our church, to inspire you with what's possible, okay? One year ago in our church, we had an average attendance of, of 55 on Sundays. And right now we're averaging close to 90. We had a VBS again after a five-year hiatus. We've had to add another room for, for Ruckus Rally, okay, which is our children's church. We had a mission trip after a seven-year hiatus. We've had, we've had to add, uh, or we added a young adult ministry. Uh, we've had over uh, 15, actually now uh, as of yesterday, um, we had 15, uh, 18 baptisms. And together with your prayers and with your faith and with your heart and with your generosity and with the power of God, I believe God wants there to be even more because God cares about people who are hurting and who are broken. And in your church, if you're attending some other church, those numbers and things might be different, but God always wants more. Okay, So as a church and as a pastor, we're not just creating ministries to create ministries. We are filling heaven with people who need the grace of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe it's possible. What do you care about? Let it break your heart to the point where you can't just keep it to yourself, where it oozes out of you. Not with this anger that turns people away, but with the passion that draws people in. See, we can rebuild. We can save our people. No longer is disgrace. What, what burns you? We can empty the foster homes and get kids in good homes. We can help people be free of addictions. We can save marriages from divorce by teaching the truth of God's goodness. Okay? We can help people heal from what's in your heart. Believe that and inspire people to it. Nehemiah says, I told him about the favor of our God and how he moved the heart of our king. What you care about, that burden, what if that's not an accident? What if God trusted it to you? Because it bothers you more than it bothers everybody else. Maybe it's because you've been given an assignment that no one else has. The burden that you bear often reveals the calling that you will embrace. Well, you might say, well, I'm just an ordinary person. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel prepared. Congratulations. You're the perfect type of person that God loves to use. So how do you make a difference? How do you do the good work? You seek God faithfully, you define the vision clearly, you make plans carefully, and you inspire people passionately. And then you step out and do what you can do. 
and then you watch God do more through your step of faith than you ever imagined. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another Venture Podcast. And if you like to listen to this podcast, I pray that you will invite somebody, share it with somebody, give it to somebody, let them listen in as well. We could use your help having more listeners and to be a part of, of our goal is to getting the word out uh, about God to people that, that just need to hear it. In other words, to invite people along on this venture. Hey, uh, join us next week as we continue this series of The Good Work and we jump into week number three. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.